0: Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Good morning, Barry. How are you? I'm doing well, Michael, and I hope you're well as well. I am indeed. Um, so this morning, we are going to be talking about Raymond Williams' uh, culture and society, 19, or 1780 to 1950, uh, from 1958. And uh, the plan, in an effort to try and be more focused is to really focus on uh, uh, just a couple of things. We're not trying to tackle the entire uh, argument that he makes, but basically, what we're going to look at. Uh, what the hell? Uh, we're even
1: let's let's make our I, listeners I, I, understand. I, not did, only were we not tackling tackling the whole argument of the book, we're not even tackling the whole argument of the conclusion. Let's well, be- <laughs> We have. So think, we're really limiting ourselves. This yes, is for we, everyone's, this is we, for the best in we, every respect. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we,
0: we have a tendency to take the deep dive super deep. So um, the plan today is, is really to look at this uh, through a modern lens, through a contemporary lens. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to start briefly with just a discussion of what exactly it is that he means by culture, because there's um, a lot of different ways of framing that concept and I think his is interesting and in line with some of the discussions we've had up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, uh, really the, the, the thread should follow this basic arc of what he means by the mass and the mob, um, you know, the, the use of technology, but not so much the use of the technology, the impacts of technology. Um, and then really a, a conclusion with what, what this has done to education and the significance of education, uh, which really kind of puts this in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
1: can I say that I, I you know you, you just mentioned it.
0: one of the reasons
1: we're talking about this, maybe the main reason we're talking about this, I think we sort of built that bridge to education, but the was your I'm going to try to recapture your phrase from a moment ago. Um, we were struck by the impact, what, would, what he was saying about the impacts of technological uh, of technology and mass communication, that notion of the impacts of it, that's where it started ringing our bells because it seemed for a text that was written in the late fifties and the media landscape was limited to television and radio. Um, the impacts, uh, his comments on impact seemed to us pressing. And so that was, I think that was our way into the essay.
0: Yeah, profoundly. So, and, um, I think just as a, maybe one last note to wrap up our little primer here, um, The thing about this work that struck me and struck me hard was the fact that in a, you know, in 1958, uh, the world for Raymond Williams is configured very differently than the world in 2022. And at the same time, his arguments about the way that culture framed as he does, um, is the, the the impacts of technology on education and culture. And then the predicted results seem to me to just be dead on. I mean, like terrifyingly dead on, quite honestly. And For our particular, for not our only for the future,
1: but our particular, well, not even our time, our moment. That's what but, was but striking us, right?
0: Yeah. But the other thing about this that I really appreciated is that um, he has a very level-headed Take on uh, not just the problem, but also sort of the things that we do, maybe in good faith, that exacerbate the problem. Um, hmm. And we'll get into this as we yes, go. But right, that's the um, most
1: interesting things of it.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to right out of the box. I'm going to say a couple, uh, perhaps surprising
1: things to you about our first topic. Just boom right in there, culture,
0: culture, because
1: I uh, and this is also by way of contextualizing. Mm-hmm. So you were asking, you were, you were setting us up to discuss culture and how he defines it. Yeah. Um, that definition is pretty elusive. Well, let's uh, start with- In let's... other words, it's, it's everywhere. But, uh, Which definition? Um, well, that, uh, his definition of Okay, okay, okay. Is, I'm sorry, I, I didn't make that clear. His definition of culture is fairly elusive in this one sense, in, in a very obvious sense, we're talking about the conclusion of a long piece um, of, two, of, a, of a larger book, two hundred plus pages of which are tracing different ideas and definitions of culture. I'm, I'm just sort of setting the stage so that um, so that we realize that we're not getting uh, we're not getting full blown. Well, let me let me go back. It's a longer book. Um, chapters, uh, as you mentioned, has a timeline, 1780 to 1950, and what Williams does is he traces the notion of culture as discussed by now what we, what we would say are canonical British writers um, of various sorts, some of them fiction writers, some of them polemicists, some of them with Victorian scholars would call the Victorian sages like Carlisle and um, John Stuart Mill. But he's tracing how these different really middle-class thinkers have defined culture up to the present time. Now, and here's the surprising thing about the book. When he gets to the conclusion after this long survey, even here, he's not gonna give you his complete definition of culture because by by his lights, um, the best definition of culture is a little bit vague, it's a little bit abstract because it's all inclusive. So elsewhere, and at the end of the culture and society, but also elsewhere in his work, and this is very much like the first salvo in a long career of writing on culture. He will alight on a definition But the definition is, you know, it's so big that many people find it unsatisfying. So, you know, we're going to I'm just saying for listeners and readers of Raymond Williams, the first thing to say is that he writes in a peculiar manner. You mentioned his level headedness, but part of his level headedness in his writing, which is expressed in his writing style, part of the level headedness um, means that he's not going to give us a soundbite. So you don't have at the end here's. Here's what culture is after you've been reading this two hundred year survey of two hundred years, yeah but he does give you a, uh, a a taste at the end of culture and society as to what culture means, and he will elaborate on it and he in in his larger definition provided elsewhere is this culture is a society's whole way of life it's close to the anthropological definition
0: it is I want to sort of um Okay. Well, I hope that
1: regression was helpful. Just putting putting it in the larger context of his work and also the book, this is coming.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to speak for the six of you listening, but um, Uh I I think it clarified it for me a little bit. Um, I am going to actually say this about his definition of culture, and then we can move on to how this plays with everything else. But um, while he doesn't provide a soundbite, I think that he makes a few comments in here which, oh, can sure be, how, which can be cobbled together. Sure. And what I found interesting about this is that, you know, he's writing this in basically um, just before uh, Marshall McLuhan is talking about mm-hmm. the, the technological revolution and how it shapes everything. And he said, and the, the interest, and I'm, I'm only bringing McLuhan for one very brief moment. Um, McLuhan makes the argument that we can only see our environment through the outgoing or what williams would call the residual technological moment Mm -hmm. and so for McLuhan, we're always looking back and i found shades of that here in williams which i thought was interesting Mm -hmm. because he says essentially um its basic element is its effort at a total qualitative assessment right so culture is this a exactly. total cultist? And uh earlier he said to, to begin the conclusion, he actually says the history of the idea of culture is a record of our reactions and thought and feeling to the changed condition of common life. So essentially, <clears throat> I understand Williams under, Williams' definition or you know, conception of culture to be the reaction to common life. And I think that there's a couple of things in here that are significant. Um for his handling of this topic at large, and that is basically that he's really concerned. This will maybe get us into our discussion of the mass. What he what he means by the mass mm-hmm. is that this is a common, shared response to our living environment, and um, you know that's a different. That's a different way of looking at things that I think is really interesting. Uh, and it's a nice segue, I think, in a talk about math. So when we talk about culture, Williams' concept of culture is, is as I'm playing with it, at any rate, a response to the, the common set of living conditions that we have. And I think implicit in this, right, is that you now are going to have stratified cultures because we're not all in that same boat. Um, so shall we take this as sort of the, uh, the groundwork and maybe move on and discuss what exactly we're talking about with the masses and um, you know his equation of the mass as a mob. Um, so do you want to jump in on that or shall I? Um, yeah, I'll jump
1: in on that. I okay. guess the first thing to be said about his definition of the mass, and this is the brilliant stroke. I think this is one of the most brilliant um, contributions that Williams gives us and kind of a key to Williams
0: methodology. I, 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 well, also, just real quick, I just want to jump in. I apologize for saying, hey, go ahead and take this and I'm gonna jump over you. Um, this is where I started to see real reflections today. Um, and I, I just want to put that in now because I'm going to probably reference this for parallels to what we see today in a few minutes Later on. Yeah. So th- yeah.
1: this was a little bit of foreshadowing. Right I, it, was, it was a whole lot of it foreshadowing. That was wonderful. Um, well, I mean, well, this is, I think, I think we we're very much in agreement on this because I think William's understanding and his way of thinking about mass and what the mass means and how it impacts, to you use your earlier word, communication styles, including mass communication. Um, it's really his breakthrough. So I've, I'll put it this way. And see if you agree. See if you agree with this. I think what's innovative and um, really a kind of a breakthrough in his definition of mass culture is that he he reveals that term instead of it being a neutral term. Like oftentimes, maybe this is more my generation than your generation, or anybody younger than me, or anybody younger than you. You know, maybe this is solely older persons' definition or experience, but the 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 notion of mass communication that term was thrown around a lot when i was younger especially when i was a younger academic um and that term didn't seem pejorative or didn't seem like you know it came it uh this word mass seemed neutral you know you're saying well it's mass communication we're talking about the masses we're delivering a message to the masses or there was a lot of discourse of masses. And in certain circles, when that word was used, it was thought that it could be used neutrally, that it wasn't a pejorative term. What Williams, against the climate of his day, I think, and this is one of the moments where, like I said, I think it's a breakthrough moment because I think in the late 1950s, this wasn't the case, even in circles where scholars were studying mass communication, um, there was this idea that the mass itself um, was a neutral term. And Williams is very much saying, dude, mass, he didn't say dude, but you know what I mean? He said he, that he's basically writing to say that word mass is, to use the our common academic word, problematic, mm-hmm. it's hiding prejudices. And usually when people and there and then basically he deconstructs to use the other trendy English term, he deconstructs the notion and says, and and okay, now here's the pithy answer to your your question, as opposed to the long way around. Pithy answer to your question is his great insight is there is no such thing as a mass. A mass is a word and it reflects, it reflects a prejudice. And it uh, and insofar as we use that word and that term. Uh, unconsciously, we are damaging, and we are pro. We are damaging our mode of communication. We are damaging our sense of common way of life. We're damaging culture because it's it's a heavily value laden term. Are we so,
0: are we are we damaging culture, or are we simply revealing it to be stratified? Because well, it he, depends how Marxist you are. Oh, that's a fair answer. Okay, because um, like he, he 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 charts the the sort of the the conception of the mass in three sections, right? Like first he says there's the amassing of people in the towns, right? And right. then he says there's the, the and that's
1: the, a neutral. That's good. Right? This is this is the new, this is so just, that's the neutral <clears throat> scientific thing. But then right. he takes a and turn, then, and then that, oh, shifts a to, turn.
0: that shifts to the factories, right? right. And then that factory shifts to the working class and this is where i think he says right like the mass is really just another word for mob and so what we've done right. is we've equated that working class with mob which is a de facto acceptance of the stratification of class you hit or the, or, of, of culture that's beautiful that's beautiful that's exactly it
1: so um, and and michael just to draw attention to the six people who are listening uh because what you just said it is a perfect summary of how Williams works, because what you were doing there would beautifully describe how Williams proceeds. This is his methodology. So what you were doing is you were saying, okay, mass was a word that we used to describe, say in the 19th century, early 19th century, the accumulation of populations in the urban center. And then it was a word that we used to discuss in particular, Say the idea of the factory labor, because factory labor required a mass of people to make our widgets, et cetera. And, you know, that was the characteristic of the Industrial Revolution. And then finally, we have sediment. So, what he's showing us is that our language is like, you know, it's geological. He takes a geological approach to language. There's a sediment to our language. And so, when we use in 2022, Or in 1958, when we use the word mass for Williams, the sediment, these prejudices, these older meanings of the word haunt what we say and and haunt the term to this day. Right. There's a kind of haunting to language. So, And you well illustrated that in your particular example. Yeah.
0: let, I, before we go too much, I sort of want to tease out some of the other things he's talking about because this sure. will get us into the discussion of technology specifically, which is you know mm-hmm. more more directly in our wheelhouse here. But he talks about along this sort of evolution, or, or or I don't know if I want to call it evolution, this movement of mass to mob, right? He talks about the concept of mass democracy really being or evolve or you know morphing into class democracy and this is where i think he gets really interesting and really mm-hmm. sort of prescient um mm-hmm. because you see so basically mass becomes mob as mass becomes less neutral and more class oriented and that, concept, that that conception of the mass as or excuse me as the mob of the mob the mass as the mob um is really The the mob is is an emotionally laden term and there's fear uh, wrapped in this. And the fear is basically that you have these large, you know, collection of people who have a majority. And so this concept of democracy is frightening, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have a lot of people Mm -hmm. and the conception of the mob. The fear is that they're common. They have mm-hmm. low taste, right? They they and mm-hmm. these are this is um and and they're easily manipulatable. And so the fear is that our democracy is going Correct. to be taken over by people who don't know any better. Exactly. And as I was looking at this, I could not help but think of uh, you know, the I guess it was the 2016 election, the Hillary Clinton um using the term deplorables, right? right? Which is which is the 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 thing that I think ultimately, or one of the big things that probably cost her that election, is this idea that oh my God, these people who would vote for this other candidate are mm-hmm. common, they're dumb, they don't, they're mm-hmm. deplorable people, and that I think is is our or or one of our modern day uh, representations of of Williams's culture fears or his class fears, mm-hmm. um, and so I think what might be interesting to do is to talk about how. Um, Williams looks at the idea of communication and technology in relation to the mass, right? Because these are, um, and again, we're going to channel, I'm going to channel McLuhan for just a second, whose, you know, whole medium, media is the message, um, medium is the message. Uh, you know, the argument that the technology informs everything, um, Williams is doing something sort of similar. He's not saying that the medium is the message. He's not saying that we are defined by our technologies, but he is making the argument that our uh, technological environment, and for him, that's really printing, right? Mm-hmm. Is it ha- ha- has, um, has, has a profound influence on this stratification. Um, so if we talk about communication, what I did find interesting is unlike McLuhan, who thinks that these um, uh, technologies shape everything, uh, mm-hmm. Williams seems to want to say that, these, that this is neutral. These technologies are neutral, that they're... Uh-huh. I want to move,
1: like move like a crab here because I, even though I, I, I want us to accelerate our forward movement and, uh, and talk about technology, we're about to have a fight about technology. Oh, I like Because uh-huh. as a McLuhan fanboy, I'm going to take in, and I've been a Williams stan for a little bit, but I'm going to be a McLuhan fanboy and take McLuhan's uh, position against uh, Williams in a moment, because I want to go right back to what you uh, yeah. introduced yeah. about print technologies, uh-huh. the meaning of technology and how technology refactors, and sort of redistributes this economy that we've been discussing and but distribution a, distribution's is yeah. key to this i was gonna say the distribution is key because that think, create that's the mass right so exactly exactly so what you were bringing up is really crucial but i just wanted to like i said move like a crab and just do one backward movement because i liked your your gesture to 2016 and i don't want to linger on this question of the mass but Two key sentences from Williams, and he writes very clearly. So this won't be a you know a movement from our discussion to a very abstract text. Um, despite the general abstraction and formality of Williams' prose, sometimes he speaks very, and and this is why you know this is why I think he's an enduring voice, uh, enduring writer. You can just you know nail it in one or two sentences. So let me so. Apropos of the deplorables, to other people, we, and that includes everybody, we also are masses. Masses are uh-huh. other people. So the mass. One of the things to take from this is that the notion of a mass is constructed by by yourself, by you know, and 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 subject to group interest and in redefinition and redistribution, because. Uh, change your point of view, and then all of a sudden the mass is revealed. Also, what this means, directly related to your um, to 2016 example and the example of the deplorables, our language helps create. Mass. I mean that's the function of using the word deplorable. That turns the democratic voter into the good citizen and the not you know the Republican voter into the other into the mass. That word has that power and that function.
0: Well, I think that what, what um, Williams is doing with the concept of mass, and I think it's smart to slow down and look at this idea that the mass is a large collection of other people, right? Exactly. And it's, exactly. But, but, but there's something interesting that happens in this. It's always other people. It's always other people. It's there never... are in fact
1: no masses. There are, in fact, no masses. There are only ways of seeing other people. He doesn't say other, but that's what he means. Seeing people as mass.
0: Right. So, so, so again, and this, I think, is where your answer earlier about, well, how Marxist are you? This is always going to create a sense of alienation or exclusion, right? Because there's always those other people. And I think what's important, and Williams makes moves to do this, which we'll talk about in a bit, is... That othering can also be um, a call to arms, right? Like in, in the sense that when Clinton calls Trump voters deplorables, right? What she's doing is other, mobilize is, the mass. It, it does. Right? It, well, it does exactly necessarily because if I am an individual who is looking at this collection of others, what she has done is she has now grouped all of the I don't know, we're going to be sort of paint broadly here, all of the Democratic voters as others from a Republican perspective. Right. She has given me my identity as a, quote, deplorable. Right. But I'm still never going to be a part of that mass. I'm always going to be myself. So, you know, it's interesting to see that it's sort of like, um, you know, a a, a water balloon. Right. Where like you or I guess an air filled balloon, You, you squeeze one side of it and the other side expands and pops out. You squeeze the other side, you pop out. This is exactly what's happening with exactly. culture. And depending on how you squeeze it, you're just creating other senses of others. And you said something really crucial right there. Um, no one, and, and we haven't said this, so I'm
1: glad you brought this up and let's let's underline it. No one, this is William's other point. Not only is there is no mass, but there is, there is no mass according to William's. And mass, uh, mass, the notion of the mass is something created through language and is something we impose on others. But you already said, that, and Williams makes this point brilliantly before he delivers those summary statements. You just said it. No one thinks of themselves as a mass. No. No one thinks of themselves as a mass. So the deplorable doesn't think of themselves as, they can act as a mass as you were saying, mm-hmm. but a deplorable doesn't think of themselves as part of the mass.
0: No, because, um, because the mass, no one become, thinks they are a part of a mass. No, no be, because the mass has become the mob, right. and what right. we've done is we've sort of just laid everything flat. Where if I am a part of the working class, my fear is now that this exactly. minority is going to take control of what should exactly. be mine. If I'm a part of this uh, minority, I'm terrified that this uh, ma- this mob. Is going to right. make silly, right. silly, you know, uh, democratic or uh, excuse me, um, si- si- silly choices about my democracy. Um, so this this way of looking at it really yeah. explains a lot of these persistent tensions that we have today politically. Um, exactly. And what's funny okay. is,
1: yeah.
0: So what's fun? Let's let's use this to jump into this 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 discussion of technology. Let's okay. do it. Um. So here we go, dear listener. Chapter three: Technology. Um. <clears throat> He so part, part of technology, I think that the starting point of technology for for Williams is really a discussion of communication. Mm-hmm. And this I found really interesting and I, I want to take issue with it, but I think he does enough um, CYA to make it work. OK, so he states in talking about technology and here he's uh, we're, we're talking again about the mass. He says techniques are and in my view are at worst neutral. And he comes down a little bit and so he's talking really about communication and how these go uh, how communication works and he says we fail to realize that much of what we call communication is necessarily Mm -hmm. no more in itself than transmission Mm
1: -hmm. that is
0: to say a one-way sending now every single fiber of my body wants to disagree with this but he then says reception and response which complete communication depend on other factors than the techniques. So he is laying this out as an argument that look, the medium is not the message, right? That is not what's going on here. The words are the words and um, how we take them and how we choose to interpret them and how we choose to respond to them are a different aspect of communication that are dependent upon other factors than the technique of education. and. Uh, while I don't want to agree with that, I see how this works and can accept the fact that basically he's saying, look, we're sending a message. How you interpret and respond to that is something entirely different that completes the, the, the communication loop. I don't like it, but that's how he sets it up. And so these are the rules we got to play with. What? Go ahead. Do you want to say something?
1: yeah i wanted to make it well i i I wanted to know if that was a preface to a point if you're moving on to something else i have a comment on it but if you if you want to make another point based on this um just a quick comment i think this is one of the moments where you know this is so happens so often i'm thinking we're going to have a brawl and then all of a sudden you diffuse the brawl because when you you read the passage that was a passage i was about to take issue with and um and I thought we were going to have a brawl because I was going to defend my hero and my boyfriend, uh, Marshall McLuhan, and say clearly the medium is the message and the technique. I'm sorry. What was this word? Transmission?
0: Uh, communication is, communication. In, in itself, is in itself Isn't yeah. no more than transmission.
1: And it, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I was going to take issue with that for uh, Anna McLuhan using Marshall McLuhan's argument that the means of transmission are never neutral. And in fact, they create their own sort of separate discourse and they stratify discourse. I'm I'm getting fond of this notion, and I hope this doesn't mean I'm becoming a Delusian, God forbid, but I'm getting uh, used to this notion of distribution and redistribution. Um, I guess I believe uh, in sort of following McLuhan, I think that media, I think that one of the functions of media is to sort of redistribute our attention and redistribute attention across a population span. So I, I take I take issue with William's claim, but you know what? Where you ended up is where I end up. Where he goes from that notion, he immediately pivots from that point to talking about response and reception Yeah, and drawing attention to the ways in which say, to use our example of the deplorables, how the use of that word mobilized a population, how yeah. it mobilized a group. Now that seems to me, as it does to you, is this is where I'm thinking: we have no fight, we have no quarrel, and I have no quarrel with Williams because, although I found that that state, I find that statement about the neutrality of transmission and the transparency of media to be wrong.
0: Mm Well, I disagree
1: with it, I love where he goes with it, and he takes it to a very important point. He immediately pivots to to an attention. He immediately draws our attention and his attention to the ways in which – he immediately draws our attention to the ways in which response and reception of these terms, of these concepts of the mass – are, are what's really key. We should have pay attention to this if we wanna understand how media is working. I like that point a lot, yeah, right? It's yeah. crucial. Okay, well, this, so you wanted to pivot to another point,
0: right? Well, no, I wanna connect some dots here for a second because I think okay. that when we start talking about communication uh, as, as Williams frames it, um, I wanna jump backwards for a second to talk about the mass and the mob and the fear that uh, the mass and the mob generate um, because of their ability to be manipulated and the fear of you know the, the fear of manipulation. So the fear is that the mob is manipulatable. And I think what's what's necessary to sort of tease out of this here is that as he lays out this model of communication uh, and the technological thrust behind it, this fear is explained very clearly. Right. So basically, and I'm just going to read briefly from him. He says um, after you know, much of what we call communication is necessarily no more in itself than transmission, that is to say, a one-way sending, reception and response was complete communication depend on other factors than the techniques. What can be observed as a fact about the development of these techniques is a steady growth of what I propose to call multiple transmission. The printed book is the first great model of this, and the other techniques. and the other techniques have followed. The new factor in our own society is an expansion of the potential audience for such transmissions. So great as to present new kinds of problem. And what he's talking about here is that communication prior to these technological advancements, communication was interpersonal, right? That we have the ability in these communicative moments to monitor And to adjust our communication with this multiple transmission, right? So with printing, you've got the book, you've got newspapers. What's happening now is, and I think this is why he sees it as transmission. We are laying words down in front of people and leaving the interpretation of those words as a separate aspect of communication that cannot be monitored, that cannot be double checked.
1: And William's point is that that mode of communication was latent in print culture because obviously you can read a book and not have um, whatever you're re- the author present in the room, but now it's become wholesale and it becomes more part a part of our common experience. Absolutely.
0: Yes, but what, and this is again that shift because communication used yes. to be personal, right? And now, as you said, it's common. It is now mass communication mob right. communication for a mob or a mass depending on your perspective here right who are really ill-equipped to mm-hmm. interpret this and so he talks about how this but can, we were all
1: oh i gotta stop you yeah, we yeah. were all according to his point because when you say ill-equipped to interpret this let's let's channel the spirit of the great uh raymond williams on this okay he would say. That that equipment has often been that in itself um, is an opportunity. OK, first off, when you say people aren't equipped to handle this shit, um, that's a statement or a perception that can reinforce and create prejudices. Oh, right. Not, not only you can, can say
0: I'm equipped. It does. Yes, it absolutely. Does, right? not, not, yeah. only, okay. not only equipped. Right. But. It can can be weaponized. I mean, this is this is it the is re- weaponized. This, well, that's the history of, and, the, and that's the history
1: that he's drawing attention to. Yes. So I just wanted to say that that you know, uh, let's be careful about our our you know, a general sort of disclaimer for all of us. Uh, with Williams, we have to be careful because the the brunt of his project is to dismantle prejudices. So we don't want to reinscribe, say, a prejudice for. A, a certain kind of literacy. We don't want to put it back into the discourse. He's trying to dismantle it. So that's all I was saying. Not, not that that's what you were doing, but it, we have to be careful to sort of, you know, not re, uh, create a monster as we tried to, we disassembled the monster. We don't want to reassemble the monster in this particular case.
0: Okay. So um, where, I think that where he's going with this is um, the argument that, these communications are now,, um, they're they're much more volatile, we might say, right? sure like sure, like the, these words are sure. up to interpretation. And I, I think that where, where he's going here is that a skilled communicator,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right. so he talks about how we understand the other people, how we understand. Mm-hmm the mass or the mob. And we do this according to a formula. I mean, he, he says here, mm-hmm. the conception of persons of masses springs, not from an inability to know them, but from an interpretation of them according to a formula. Exactly, right. right. And this formula is our own personal algorithm, right? You look exactly. like this, you sound like book. this, you talk like this. So book. so the, the skilled communicator now mm-hmm. is going to communicate through the mass techniques that we have uh, in a way that will that will match the formula that they have of the audience and that will feed them the things that we have they ha- that they that they, that they that, that will feed them the end result that we want them to have and i think that the 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 common the, the modern day parallel to this quite frankly is cable news right that you're going to get your, I guess what I'm saying here is there are different versions of any given message that are technically the same, mm-hmm. but that will be read very differently by very different groups. And this applies regardless of your political orientation. You know, that you, you've got liberal media uh, sending their. Um, listeners and readers, one message. You've got conservative media sending their listeners and message the exact same content, but knowing they, they, they do so knowing that it's going to be a very different message. I got you. Okay. Though
1: so I, I think that one
0: thing we, maybe
1: we should unpack in what you say, I, I think I'm following that. And I think that's William's argument. Mm-hmm. One thing maybe that we should unpack is this becomes a kind of This is a motif that develops in the conclusion. Um, This is a thread rather that develops in the conclusion and you were alluding to it right there and might be good to sort of emphasize it before we go on. Um, The situation that you described or that Williams is describing where the introduction of electronic media builds on that indeterminacy. So let's go back to print culture like you were doing for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, In print culture, so this is several hundred years ago. In print culture, uh, as you were saying, and as Williams, you were describing Williams survey. In print culture, there was this indeterminacy because there were the words on the page. They were a communication by the writer, but the writer wasn't present to determine your response to the text. So, and this is a place, this is a place actually where I can bring back McLuhan or um, it's possible to bring back McLuhan because Williams is also referring to this moment in the 19th century. For McLuhan, the big I mean, there were twenty million different—not uh, twenty million—but there were many different factors that constituted the electronic media revolution uh, that in the nineteenth century. But the the one of the main factors was the telegram, which is a, a par excellence an example of words. You know, you're you're a reader and you're reading words that are detached from a body and from a voice. So, you know, McLuhan says, okay, now things are really happening. We have this possibility to detect, we have the very real, the common experience of a detached message, a a message detached from the sender. And response becomes all important, as you were saying, Uh, response becomes all important in that particular situation, okay? So that multiplies and and goes, happens in different vectors in the 19th century. Now, now, okay, and now we can connect it to something I think you were saying, and it's probably, I think that we're gonna segue into our discussion of education. This is probably something Mm -hmm. that we we need to highlight in what you just said. Um, So the 19th century is another pivotal moment where all of a sudden becomes part of everyone's common life common way of life, their culture. Um, the, the, the reception of messages that are, in a sense, detached, that are open to interpretation, that are open to creative responses by different audiences. Um, okay, so in this situation, and, that, and this is, I thought, what you were referring to, and this is what concerns Williams, and it concerns us today, is that that situation could be manipulated, that it is possible for the person of industry, for what he doesn't call media conglomerates, but what he basically is talking about as like corporate, capitalist, corporate business interests get involved and they go into this gap and they start stratifying audiences according to in williams view is that the sound right you were talking about the person who manipulates you were talking about cable news mm-hmm. and how they were sort of manipulating uh, audience response and i'm just saying that um, williams history of media allow you know he's trying to account for the emergence you know what made it possible for moneyed interest to intervene in this particular situation and begin the process of mass control mass appeal you know uh, i'm wandering here so I'm, I'm curious as to your response what are you what are you thinking or no i i, I sense your trouble even across this distance that separates us michael i sense your trouble i sense your concern in what i said
0: Bill, no, I miss something. Not at all. I, I'm actually in, in full agreement with you. I, I think we can probably take, you know, so I, I'm, I'm looking at what he says and I think that he says this clearly. So let's let's use his words <laughs> to, to, to do this, please. okay? So I said, the conception of persons as masses springs not from an inability to know them, but from an interpretation of them according to a formula. Right. I skips the forward. Our formula can be that of a rational being speaking our language. It can be that of the interested being sharing our common experience or, and it is here that masses will operate, it can be that of the mob, gullible, fickle, herd-like, low in taste and habit. The formula, in fact, will proceed from our intention. And so that's basically what he's saying, is that um, your communication to people is going to be determined by your formula
1: for understanding
0: those people. And that is going to be Directly related to what you want, and so this is this and moneyed is moneyed how...
1: interest, Okay, let me just tie that into what I was trying to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Moneyed interests
1: have a particular motive for um, for uh, communicating in the mass media market. They have interests as well,
0: right? You can yeah. have a corporate interest, and so that this is focusing that is creating your formula. Mm-hmm. So that's all. And I think this is again that slow march towards our discussion of education, right? So um, I think we're there. Let's well, nearly there. I think there's one last set of terms that he throws up here that I think are interesting and relevant, and that's the difference between what he calls the source and the agent. Uh, and I, I think this speaks uh, uh, clearly to where to where we want to go, right? So he, in terms of the. Courier, right? The 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 person who is conveying the information. He he basically breaks this down into uh two two camps, right? There's sources and there's agent. I'm I'm looking at these two terms really as a mean of pulling everything back together so that we can then talk about education. So the sources, according to Williams, is the person who is consistent in what they say and how they believe, right? So this source. Is likely a throwback to the old pre technique driven communication where we've got two folks sitting in the street talking. I want you to agree with me. If you're going to agree with me, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. But I am going to say uh, X. I am going to behave in a manner that is in accordance with X. Um, This is a very sort of uh, uh, linearly, 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 help me out, aligned linear that's probably
1: we're gonna invoke, too simple right we're going
0: to yeah. invoke Occam's razor it's a <laughs> linear perspective okay the agent on the other hand is the person who works in the service of someone else and spreads their message regardless of their opinion and I want your your, your input on this right so he says so this is basically a spokesperson and he says these agents are necessary in larger institutions such as government such as uh, though this is, you know, comes after his time, but he would argue that this was the kind of person you need at the news desk or at the, uh, you know, your spokesperson for your head of a company or your governmental spokespeople. So mm-hmm. the agent is the person who will relay the message independent of their own personal feelings. And he says, there's two types, there's good agents and there's bad agents, right? And he just says, the bad agents, our case for the law, right? That's 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 something that he doesn't really dig into. He says the good agents, though, he says, are a matter of culture. So the person, and I think what he means here, and if you're, um, let me see, uh, da, da, da. Um, agency in the simple case is necessary in any complex administration. It is mm-hmm. always dangerous unless its function and intention are not only openly declared but commonly approved and controlled. He wants democracy. He wants democracy. If this is so, the agent becomes a collective source and he will observe the standards of such expression if what he is required to transmit is such that he can wholly acknowledge and accept and recreate it in his own person. Absolutely. So he says that bad people who do that badly are a case for the law. People who do that well are agents of culture, right? They are representative of the larger... Uh, sort of understanding of the world
1: we live in. You're making me realize his other great invention here and and, in his other work, William's other great achievement in culture and society. um, And also in the book that follows and really all the book that follows is The Long Revolution. And actually throughout his career, you know what I'm realizing after, especially after your last precede, Really the thrust of his closing argument is this. Williams wants us to question our use of the word, our unconscious use of the word mass because it's too often associated. It still uh, bears the burden and the weight, the prejudicial burden of a term that originated in the English discourse in the 18th century, the mob. So the mob, all the valences of the mob, the mob was something hateful in 18th century British discourse. And those valences get carried over in the 19th century in the mass. And this is, but you're making me aware of William's great achievement. Uh, rather than think of masses, think of the people or other people as masses or, God forbid, mobs. hmm You are using the word that I think that he wants us to to pivot to. And that word is commonality. Our current trendy word, the commons, which has become a rallying cry for leftists in the last 20 years, talking about what we all share in common and references to the commons. That's what Williams really incredibly pressingly is gesturing to. Don't think of other people as a mass. Think of instead the commons to which everyone has access or should have access to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's what you're talking about. So the person, the good agent that you were just talking about, as I understood it, the good agent, tell me what you think of this, the good agent that you were describing, that Williams is describing, aren't they a person who's instead of acting on their own interest or on behalf of partial interest, they become a spokesperson for commonality for the public or the commons.
0: Um, is that right?
1: Ideally. Yeah, that's right. But but, see, but, but 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 I mean, he is talking about ideally because he's making a distinction, as I understood it, between good and bad.
0: Well, I, I think no? he, so. So he's making that distinction. But what happens here and mm-hmm. um, is that he, he then pivots and says, here's the problem our technological means have mm-hmm. vastly outstripped our educational systems. Yes, and right. so for all of the idealism, there mm-hmm. is a rift, there's a, there's a, there's a break and that sure. break is going to prevent us from ever realizing ideal. And it, again, I think that, so what, what he understands is this sort of technological educational uh, um, gap mm-hmm. is um that that's that's just a matter of fact for him but he mm-hmm. the re- the rest of this is predicated upon this sort of ideological um uh fairness or sense of well-being what i think is interesting about this mm-hmm. um and again i said this at the beginning of the podcast there's so much in here that ring that is screaming uh for application in the current environment that we have um you know, if you think about, I, I, and again, this is just because I, I can't stand it. Um, and in, in any, in along any sort of ideological line, this whole cable news, okay? He says that, you know, the agents need to be, it's dangerous unless it's function and intention, not only openly declared, but commonly approved and controlled, right? Yes. When you introduce profit
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you introduce profit into mm-hmm. a stratified culture, or another way of saying a stratified culture into a class society, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is divided along a number of different formulas, right? Like these people mm-hmm. are this; these people are that. You get the absolute obliteration of the good agent, right? Because mm-hmm. your service is no longer into some, I you know is is no longer chasing some capital T truth. It's now chasing a capital P profit. Um, and mm-hmm. that and that's and that's the system in which we work. I mean, I had a really interesting discussion the other day with somebody about, uh, you know, the, these situations where you look at politicians and you look at record, you know, tapes of them five years ago saying X. And then you look mm. at them mm-hmm. six months ago saying uh, absolutely not X. And then six months from now, it will be ah why, you know, I mean, and, and this again, this is this is a largely independent Not entirely, but largely independent of uh, political affiliation. I mean, there's just there's there's no there's I don't say there's no I can't say that there's there's scant allegiance and consistency. And how do you explain that? And the explanation for that, I think, has to get tied back to profit to to. You know the the to, mm-hmm. to, to getting what you want essentially, mm-hmm. um, and so if we you know, which again just to try and tie a bow on what's quickly becoming messy, um, this gets us back into the fear of manipulation. This gets us into This explains the distrust of others. This I think his conception of culture, and when you look at that conception of culture, and then you apply the um, the, the 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 way that communication works and the way that essentially propaganda functions within Mm -hmm. this system, you you get a fairly uh, clear understanding of how some of these frictions and tensions exist. What we haven't talked about yet, uh, but that I think is a direct uh, or a logical next step from this is education. So he says, one problem or our problem is one of adapting our social training to a widely literate culture. It is clear that the highest standards of literacy in contemporary society depend on a level of instruction and training far above that which is commonly available. And so basically what he's saying here is that, um, you know, we've got this shift in communication from being personal to being mass oriented and that the level of education that is required to prevent the mass from becoming the mob mm-hmm. is simply not there. And let me, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, let me let me go just a little bit more through here mm-hmm. and then we can play with this and we can probably wrap up soon. Um, he goes a little further, Right, at, uh, the danger of such a judgment is that it offers a substitute right, to, okay, let me just do this. For the reason it is still much too early to conclude that a majority culture is necessarily low in taste. So he's like, we can't conclude that the mob is low in taste. The danger of such a judgment is that it offers a substitute righteousness, the duty of defending a standard (laughs) against the mob. Right action is not of this kind, but is a matter of ensuring that the technical changes which have made our culture more dependent on literate forms are matched by a proportionate increase in training for literacy. Oh, my gosh. In its in its full sense, it is obvious that we have allowed the technical changes to keep far ahead of the educational changes Ah. um, and the reasons for this neglect, which in its own terms, so plainly foolish, lie in the combination of interest and inertia deeply rooted in the organization of society. So let me stop there. Basically, this to me. Let me interrupt you. Raymond Williams, meet Trump America, meet Biden America.
1: Twenty twenty two. Which you just described. Oh, I think absolutely. I think
0: this yeah. is where we are. You this know? is where and we are. This is Biden America. This is Trump America. But see, Here's the frightening reality, right? What, what he's saying is that, look, we are not equipping our public. I'm going to use that word instead of mass or mob. We are not equipping the public, which is probably a mistake to use, but with the intellectual faculties to exist autonomously we are instead creating an environment where these people are going to be forced to look for clarification and direction wherever they find it from whatever sort of figureheads are able exactly to connect with them and that is nothing more than the skilled the skilled rhetorician right and this is, and the problem we make. Is it really the skilled
1: rhetorician or is it a matter of, I mean, do you think Joe, I do think Joe Rogan is a skilled rhetorician. I'll go, I'll but, go. But, but is it about skill or is it about the fact that he, Joe Rogan has more listeners? I guess, you know, maybe I'm asking the chicken and egg question. I, I know I take your point, but I'm just sort of, I'm wondering about it. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to clarify for myself. Is it about the skilled rhetorician or is it simply that capital allowed, now am I being too mechanistically Marxist probably, but is it about the fact that Rogan has so much access? He has access to, this is something I've been oh, thinking about uh, lately. Okay. He has access to this major audience, more than any mainstream news outlet. It's more both. More than
0: your cable television. So It's both, it's both. Okay. And, and, and here's what I mean, you, okay, so access, access, to the microphone, access to the printing press, okay, access okay. to the camera is right. a prerequisite because, okay. but, but in a way it's not the entirety, okay? So it, 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 it is necessary, but then you can be a blundering buffoon, mm-hmm. right? But if you know which buttons to push to get people to align behind you, you can, you can be elected You're president. There. OK, and what's frightening about this, though, is that this exists on multiple levels, right? Like because what we're ultimately looking for here, what, what all of this is about to me is this sort of uh, individual personal need to connect, OK, to form little groups, which become slightly larger groups, which become masses, which might become mobs if you're on the other side of the street. But this is this is how I mean. This to me explains how uh, you know. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Facebook works, right? The 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 that that sort of insular um, uh, echo chambers that we create. This is this is this is um, this is clicks. This is how this works. It's looking for people who resonate with me, and the problem is that if you understand how to form an argument according to what a particular audience is going to respond to, you can get them to line up behind you. That, and this is, this is an educational problem. And so in many ways, it is actually in the interest of whatever you know, group is in control to limit the educational progress. Because in doing so, you can continue you, you can allow this uh, sort, sort of system of control to perpetuate. Absolutely. Right? The last thing, and, and this is where I think that Williams's idea of sort this, this, this rosy idea of democracy where people genuinely get to say what they want to say, right? Th- th- this, this, this idea of the mob really allows, you to concentrate the locus of power. And it is not seated in some sort of Republican ideology or democratic ideology. This is ripe for the taking for whomever can get it. And that's, I think the mistake. What he says here, what is what really resonated with me is he says the danger of a judgment offers a substitute righteousness, right? It is very easy to look at people and demonize them because they just don't know, but you can substitute something else. He says a little bit more. Loudishness is always easy. And there can be few things more loudish than to turn at the end of a long training and sneer at those who are just entering it and who, harassed and insecure, are making the inevitable mistakes. Right. This is going into a uh a classroom with you know freshmen in college and 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 saying and sneering at you, you you don't don't know anything. You don't know shit. Well, of course (laughs) you don't. That's why you're here. That's why you're fucking here. Exactly. And so, so the problem is this is, and, and this is where I think, again, to, you know, this is our like, at least th- this is my political episode here. Um, the the, the t- temptation is to look at the deplorables, to use Clinton's word, and say, you're a deplorable person. When the appropriate response, according to Williams, would be to say, look, you are an uneducated person and we can fix that. But we don't want to fix that. We want to keep you as deplorable because deplorable makes you a, a mob and makes me righteous. Well, and we if in you, that sense
1: shifted. We in that sense shifted. I mean, by we, all of a sudden you meant the moneyed interests or the, the oh, uh, using, political I was, interests. I was, yeah. was
0: using uh, the royal. Obviously, we. educators as a we. Want to counter this, and but, that's well, what Williams is speaking for. He, he is, and but see the thing is, if you flip this around, if you get labeled mm-hmm. a deplorable, well, then your response is very easy to label those who called you deplorable members of the liberal elite who are out exactly. of touch and don't live in your culture. Of course, and that's why his definition of culture, which is so frustrating, I think, is so great because it is a means of being able to express. Different lived realities, and that's it what he's is exactly about. yeah, and that's what he's getting. But but you know it's frustrating, but frustrating
1: as you mentioned to a purpose because the purpose in being vague and and you know if you're really inclusive, the the problem with that is that it sounds vague. But the 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 positive aspect or the enabling the affordance that uh, is allowed by being really broad in your definition of culture is exactly what you said it allows you to incorporate um you know different groups different perspectives and cuts you off from and and, and er- eradicates the 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 what you were talking about before that it's a met, it's meant to mitigate mm. the tendency of those who are trained and educated in sort of uh, sneering at was that your word or william's His word his word yeah the sneer um It's meant to eradicate the sneer because it is very common for the educated, educated elites to sneer at people who don't have their training. And Williams is very conscious of this and working as hard as he can to counteract and to allow educators to sort of criticize self-criticism of that principle.
0: Absolutely. So here's the great bow. We're gonna we'll end on this. Yes. Right. He talked earlier. You know, we started talking about what is culture and culture is the representation of the lived experience right Mm -hmm. he says here the content of education as a rule is the content Mm -hmm. of our social relations in other words if you want to look at what culture is look at the state of education
1: exactly right it's it's the
0: barometer that's it all right well barry um i think we've done it i think (laughs) i think i think think we've done it and i uh i think this is a good place to To bow out. So I'm going to say thank you for a lively discussion. Thank you, Michael.
1: And uh, I guess I'll see you metaphorically and literally next time. You got it, Barry. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.